Welcome to the show, Brain Health Unchaining Your Pain. And I am so excited because I have the just amazing friend, wonderful Louise Carmi on the show today. Louise, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. <laughs> now, for those that don't know Louise, she started work as a nurse in the UK National Health Service from 1964 to 2006 ending her career as a senior service manager and children's safeguarding specialist. She was then introduced by, to Havening by Paul McKenna in 2013 and became one of the first trainers worldwide. Um, she's based in, she was based in London, although you're not there anymore, but part of the London practice, and starting the first practice group worldwide, introducing Havening to Australia and she's um, continued to benefit from and continues to promote this extraordinary technique since then. But we're going to really talk about your several health obstacles in the context of brain health during your life. So I'm really excited to dive into that from a brain health perspective. But Louise, before we start, I know we've been like friends, not actually for that long, to be, <laughs> to be fair, maybe a year and a half or yeah, something probably, like yeah. that but yeah. uh, Louise is always like my go-to person um when I'm on a sort of event vent frustrations <laughs> that I'm having um and she really understands me from a sort of my passion perspective so I'd love I love to hear what you're really passionate about now uh, it, uh that you really love doing what am I passionate about? I I am an Aries, so I'm quite a fiery, allegedly quite a fiery person. Yes, you are. Uh, <laughs> so I, I have to be careful not to consume people sometimes. Um, what am I passionate about? I I guess my life has been taken over by the work that both me, my husband, and my daughter have been doing since 2013 with Havening, and the the difference it makes to people's lives. It's a I have to say, it's probably slightly addictive if we're talking about brain health, because you know we see the difference it makes, and, yeah. and doing the stuff that that we've done together, and with the group of people that we've you know been supporting and been, been supported by, is is very very gripping. So that is a, a huge passion, and yeah. I have to be careful with family now because I can see their faces when. When you know, when I people say, "Oh, hello, what do you do?" and I can see their faces going, "Oh no!" <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love that you mentioned havening because that was the real catalyst for this show. Is yeah. that I first experienced havening with with Tony Burgess, who really helped me um, deal with the trauma of losing my dad um, back in two thousand and um, nineteen. Gosh, I can't even remember. It feels such a long time ago, and it and it was really difficult for me, and and it really changed my life. And I just thought, you know, this show is is about helping people do exactly what Havening does: is helping people unchain their pain and giving them different modalities and tools and techniques and stories um, in the context of brain health, so that they can really learn. Uh, about their brain learn from other people because we love storytelling don't we mm -hmm. uh, learn from other people's experiences and hopefully give them some hope uh, and some guidance really to help them really optimize their brain health and then unchain their, any pain that they're having yeah there another little story just sprung to mind is that I've spent 
uh, the last week in Oldham with my sister who had severe brain damage following a wow. vaccine. That, uh, she had smallpox vaccineal encephalitis in 1954. And I, oh. I remember seeing her in hospital with a really curved backwards spine. Oh. Epistotinous, where it's like C-shaped backwards. Mm-hmm. And Hillary's just had to have a total knee replacement. Her gait was very distorted and she was in a lot of pain. Wow. And she's had really good successful surgery and when I went there the physios came in to see her and commented how well she was doing and Mm -hmm. she said I've been doing this havening thing that my sister taught me and I say calm painless calm painless so Hillary with a very limited intellectual capacity was actually showing the physiotherapists what we did for her pre-surgery which reduced her anxiety and I think helped help maintain her state and um, I think that reduced her pain post yeah do you know I think it's so important you know um for those that don't know what I think it's probably worth sharing what havening is just quickly for those that don't know the listeners is it is a psychosensory technique that uses the power of human touch to help us generate calming delta waves in our brain and and it was first sort of discovered by Dr. Ron Rudin and Dr. Stephen Rudin as they were exploring the best modality to help people um, get relief from from trauma, PTSD and and anxiety. And they started with looking at tapping uh, and stumbled across the fact that we can use human touch in in a stroking way that we all inherit from birth is this ability to calm ourselves and emotionally regulate ourselves through the power of human touch and, you know, giving each other a hug. And really it's been developed since then uh, to help people generate these lovely calming delta waves in their mind. Uh, And by doing so, what happens is um, when you have a a trauma, you bring the trauma to to the front of your mind without having to say anything. And by generating these lovely calming delta waves through the power of human touch, um, you are able to depotentiate or reduce um, the the receptors that we have in our brain that that are that are put in that put on the surface of our brain cell as a result of the trauma. But the calming delta waves literally unplug them um, and send them back into the brain cell. And that gets rid of any outflows, any remote emotional response, any physical response, somatosensory um, responses that we have um, uh, and autonomic responses um, as a result of any trauma that we have in coding. And we, I will put a link to uh, how people can find out more about it at the, in the show notes. Um, and it's just phenomenal, isn't it? Well, I say for me, it's life changing. And, and certainly our experience in, in working with people is incredibly, incredibly life changing and yeah. much more speedily than than you could imagine. Yeah. yeah. It's 50 minutes of freedom, isn't it? Sort of yeah. Yeah. And absolutely. And and the um, in terms of the Delta State creation, one of our Haveners trainers in America worked with a, a, a firm in, in, in Brisbane in um, Australia and she asked the, the chap who, who developed this brainwave technology mm-hmm. to put Delta on so we can actually see 
in real time on your phone yeah. how quickly Delta State is is created just by doing this, yeah. and then how quickly when you stop doing this, it goes down. It, I mean, really fascinating. That who'd have thought it? I know. And do you know what I love about it? I, I love the fact that everybody at any age can learn it. And, you know, the fact that my daughter Lily was able to learn it at 18 months and, and I've used it. She's used it to help calm herself down, you know, when needing the toilet. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and and she loves to have it at night time. If she if she needs it, she'll ask for it. Mummy, can you stroke my face? um you know and 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 she loves she just loves doing it and and it's something that everybody can can learn mm -hmm. and everybody can apply for day-to-day day-to-day needs you've reminded me of another little story which is uh in one of the first havening trainings i did but it's probably april 2015 something like that um there, there was a, a nurse who was one of the participants working in a severe brain injury, long stay unit. Uh -huh. And a couple of weeks after the, the, tra the, the training that we did, she rang me and she said, I've just got to tell you something. And I'm like, OK, yep. always really interested to hear stories. And yeah. she said that there'd been a young girl who'd had a severe road traffic accident, had been on the unit for a couple of years and was inconsolable, screaming, not relieved by painkillers. And what she did when she'd done the training, she went home, not home, back to her unit and did this mm -hmm. with the girl. And the girl stopped screaming She'd not spoken since admission, opened her eyes and said, Mum. And that wow. was the first thing. So that's why she, I mean, that's why, you know, so I, at that time I can remember feeling, wow, you know, that is quite emotional. And she was so overwhelmed by that response, that very quick, calming response in this really severe injury unit that she felt that she had to phone me and, you know. Yeah. So. So, yeah, and it's almost like miracles happen, isn't it, every day with with Havening because people can't, often the clients that I help can't believe that the change can happen so quickly in such a short space of time and they and they can't comprehend the, the cognitive shift, the emotional shift that happens and the and the pain shift. And my, my mum, you know, she has chronic back pain and, and she's due, uh, she needs to go for surgery, but when we were getting ready to go in to see the uh, her specialist, um, she was really anxious about it and her back was very sore. Um, and we often use havening to to help reduce the emotional uh, load um, yeah. that is in her mind that is amplifying the physical pain yeah. um, and, and calm it down. And we can often bring it down quite quickly for her and her pain level significantly mm -hmm. reduced. So I think it's an incredible tool for so many different reasons from you know helping people yeah. with ptsd as I, as i've done all the way through to chronic pain major trauma and i don't think we you know from a brain health perspective people when when i say brain health people often think of mental health but it's such yeah. a much broader topic than that mental health is only a tiny subset of, yeah, of brain sure. health. Yeah, sure. and it, it's so important that we equip people with tools that help their brains get better whatever the root cause of of the problem is whether that like you said is is may is major trauma 
from a car accident and I know you've got some phenomenal stories yourself from your from a, in the context of brain health and I really want to dive into that because you've you've yeah. got some great ones but before we do um in the context of your life story what for you would you say is optimal brain health I I guess um and I know there's no right or wrong in this but I guess for me it's about feeling feeling healthy being in present um having having capacity to do things that I normally do and need to do yeah. um and having a life that's rich and fulfilling uh, or having the capacity to have a life that's rich and fulfilling which i yeah. am very fortunate to have yeah I mean, you know what say but yeah yeah no no i think that's lovely and I, I always like to think of the four quadrants of brain health and you've really touched on all of them is that emotional well-being that it's important that we feel emotionally secure the physical well-being aspect of being able to do what we want to do the mental well-being which is having that cognitive that clarity and that yeah. and that need and also spiritual well-being which very few people talk about is yeah, is sure. being able to live a life with, with passion and purpose uh, and feeling fulfilled at that level as well mm -hmm. yeah so yeah. I, i'd i'd love to dive into your story and i know it starts at the we'd love i'd love to start at the very beginning because we <laughs> I really relate to you this first part of your story and i think many people um have experienced something similar to to what you have um, you have to be careful that i don't burst into the sound of music <laughs> let's start <laughs> the very beginning um, so, so. as many the poo said it's a very good place to start yeah yeah i i so i was born in in 19 in april 1947 worst winter on record it was snowing. My mum got stuck in a snowdrift and fell off a bus. And oh I was what, what my granny used to call, she said I was knocked off the shelf. I was born two months early. Wow. And I weighed three pounds, four ounces. So, so I was in special care facility. And at that point had given up, was given oxygen because they just started using it for preemie babies and so clearly survived. But I I had this story of not expected to live. You know, my mum was a midwife at the time and it's like, you, you don't expect to rear that, do you? Because I looked like a monkey and <laughs> my ears had to be stuck. This is stories. My ears had to be stuck back with sellotape yeah so Do you know my dad's it my dad i really want to interject here because you just hit so many levels for me yeah. <laughs> my dad was born early too i think he was two pounds and i i can't remember what his weight was he was born in 1940 also april very premature but he wasn't put in an oxygen tent yeah. but it, interestingly and that possibly saved him from what i know you're going to talk about shortly yeah. Yeah. Um, but interestingly he also had to have his ears pinned back because his ears are out like this so that's really no, I, I never really thought that that was I just thought it was my dad but obviously yeah, maybe, my, maybe it's a premature thing I don't know I won't say what my um what my cousins used to call me but it meant that I would not I mean now look I've got ears that's fine yeah my uh, dad had to have them sell it like plastered back I think his mum used plasters to hold them back 
<laughs> I, I did not have a short haircut until I was over 30. Wow. On the basis of the names my cousins used to call me when I was a kid oh. yeah, about oh. my ears. But there you go. So, yeah, so I uh, survived, obviously, and did well. Um, I had from this, I, I had in the late 70s, I had vi vision loss. I lost my vision a few times because I had retinopathy of prematurity. So oh. I was in and out of hospital having major eye surgery. But in that, I at that time, I was um, working full time in the NHS, but I was also in my spare time and holidays monitoring development programs in West Africa, which were at that time really um, interesting because they were the, one of the first income generating small scale enterprise development programs. So I, I had this passion for not only doing my full time job, but also being a mom looking after the family but nipping over to Africa to to do the monitoring and I was really worried when I lost my vision that I would be impaired and, and prevented you know, life would prevent me from doing that but the consultant that I had at that time was called David McLeod at Smallfields just said Louise you just go and do what you need to do and I'll sort you out if you need sorting out and that was the biggest you know, gift that he could have given me. So it enabled, enabled me to, you know, to continue doing the, the work that I was doing there. Um, I, I'm looking at my list of things that have gone wrong with me, but I <laughs> also, um, so I was working as a, in the community as a district nurse, child protection specialist, health visitor, cot desk specialist. And I had a whiplash in 1984. I was shunted wow. about, between 12 and 15 feet up the road when I was parked. Were you hit by a vehicle behind, was it? I was, yeah, I was I was parked um, the side of the road. Yeah. Um, and a vehicle didn't, I don't know why it didn't see me, but it shunted me about between 12 and 15 feet up the wow. road and had a whiplash. I yeah. just come out of hospital and with my vision repair and the consult one of the doctors said don't bang your head or else you'll go blind you know be careful of the messages you give people yeah. uh i didn't i didn't go blind um but i did lose the um, my dominant left arm i had a you know i was off work for nearly six months because i literally lost the use of my arm i couldn't drive and i couldn't lift the babies that i was working wow. with so, uh, so did, did anybody consider that you had um any head trauma at the time or was it dismissed by just being pure no. whiplash no my husband was a doctor not was he is i i was a nurse it was like okay you can go home now you can sort you know you're all right wow. so but i i mean i i can remember in those days you had these big collars on and mm. i can remember um they put one on and then they took it off again and i nearly fell off the the bench because wow. it just as if my head was so unstable wow and that you know that took a, a while to recover yeah. now i think it's really important to note here is that like a lot of um people have head trauma who who, who come to me or um to specialists like refer them on to that goes undiagnosed and it's often the result of falls or, or car accidents. And what, what can happen is um, your brain, and I, I'm just going to try and bring this this screen. Yeah. So your, your brain is housed in a skull. And this is, um, let me bring it over to the centre. 
this is the this is your brain in a skull so i'll take the the lid off and when we have a a, a trauma like um being in a car obviously your head goes backwards and forwards but you can see the brain actually rattles inside the skull because it's just very soft it's consistency of butter inside the skull and inside there you can see that there's lots of sharp bony ridges and one of those sharp bony ridges also is is the entrance into the skull which is where your cerebral spinal fluid flows and that's important for limb function and if you have a whiplash injury there's a high likelihood that you've not you you could displace uh, your brain inside its skull so you could have problems with with the cerebral spinal fluid flow into into your skull itself and also cause problems with your pituitary gland and your hormonal regulation and things like that but often what we also see is people that have uh, brain injuries that go or, or falls knocks or falls um, have what we what we call as uh, as displacement of the vertebrae the top two vertebrae at the top of your spine and they're very delicate and very easily displaced and those vertebrae help um, if they're displaced and then they can block the flow of the cerebral spinal fluid um, that circulates from your brain all the way through your body and I've had clients who have had problems with limb function um, that's gone undiagnosed as a result of having a having falls um, and, and problems with neck, you know, neck pain and all sorts of things. Yeah. And actually the fix is very simple is, is to go and see an atlas orthogonal specialist to, to make sure that those vertebrae in the back of your neck are, are appropriately aligned so that your cerebral spinal fluid flow moves properly um, and, and allows you to have the function that you need throughout the rest of your body. So we mustn't forget if we do have you know limit loss issues um as a result of a fall or a or a, a car crash or anything it is to think about what what how it how is that being affected by a displacement of the vertebrae in the back of your neck and mm -hmm. and you could obviously have cognitive um problems as well including migraines and uh, and and depression there's all sorts of different cognitive issues that can arise as a result of of the disruption to that fluid flow D did anybody mention that to you as it's not often picked up yes <laughs> no <laughs> yeah but well, i did i've had ongoing neck issues i mean yeah. not significant not you know not not excruciating but i've had ongoing neck issues since yeah. then and yeah. i certainly certainly in from in my last between the 50s and 60s used to get huge amounts of migraine and that would be tying into this 84 you know um a, a lot of migraines um, yeah. so that but, could that's quite possibly as a result of disruption yeah. i can't say for certain but it could no, be no, no, definitely no, worth getting it checked out yeah oh that, that's that's helpful yeah so yeah should we go on to the next bit yeah yeah no so, so um i'll let me just yeah. go back on this just to just to finish off the conversation that we yeah. were having is is that this procedure is very gentle so if you you know we i've we have kids who come in who have these problems it's a very gentle procedure to get it resolved it's just gentle manipulation at the back yeah. of the neck yeah. Yeah. so for, for anybody who's like thinking oh my god i'm going to have to go under the knife or it's going to be a major major 
uh, a problem. It, it is not. It's a very gentle uh, manipulation. Um, you get to lie down and uh, and chill out uh, mm. and get it resolved, and it and it and the results can be absolutely dramatic uh, once you've res restored that function. So, um, do, if anybody's got any, yeah, just some links at the end to yeah. if people want to to talk yeah. to me about it. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. interesting. So, so, so you, so after that, you obviously you managed to get your movement of your limbs back, didn't you? Yeah. Of your, of your left arm. Yeah, it, it took about. Well, it's my. It was. I say it's my dominant arm, and it's amazing how just the simple thing of not being able to brush your teeth with the the arm that you used to brushing your teeth with is you know it, it impacts. But it, it took about six months. Um, wow. It took about six months to 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 get. And how that. did you how did you manage to get yourself better in that context? You know, uh, did, I know you said you're very determined. And oh yeah, I, I basically I just I have such a strong get on with it. I'm sure it's partly from my Manchester, you know, my northern <laughs> roots where you just just keep going. Keep and also carry on. Actually, from my if you know from my family history from you know the 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 my grandma mama who who just kept going you know whatever yeah. life threw at them they they overcame it and and yeah provided for family and and, and worked hard all their lives so yeah it, it, i mean that's an injunction that you know that i i have so um, you won't let it defeat you basically I wouldn't, no but and also i I couldn't imagine not working so mm -hmm. not going back to work you know it wasn't an option I it, it it's again it's about purpose isn't it you know yeah not your the, your your purpose in life and yeah. I've always had a very strong sense of 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 purpose in terms of helping people and yeah. you know and actually fighting for justice as well you know it's, it's yeah. always it's got this yeah. justice being where i've just got to yeah. keep going and do my job yeah. do you know i think that's really beautiful that you talk about that because the you mentioned earlier that the surgeon who who, who helped fix your eyes yeah. just said don't worry i'll help you you know you will be able to go and fulfill your purpose and that was so powerful for you. And I don't think yeah. we pay enough attention to the importance. In, you know, we, you talked about language earlier on as well. Yeah. Is yeah. the importance of the language we use when we're helping our clients or we're helping patients in, in the context of, you know, medical professionals, that, that what you say to people and, and what hope you give people in the context of those four quadrants I spoke about at the beginning, emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual, it was really important because everybody works differently. So some people might feel a, an emotional need, but for your, you, that spiritual, that sense of purpose, that spiritual health piece was just so fundamental to you. And that's what really sounds like has been your kind of driver uh, to help you, you know, recover all the other aspects of health. And, it, and the difference in the consultant that said, you just go do what you need to do and I'll sort you out, to the doctor as I was leaving the ward saying, don't bang your head, don't lift heavy objects, don't bang your head or else you might go blind. And then within a couple of weeks, you know, having the whiplash. Yeah. And the, um, the a, a passing policeman just knocked on my window and said, Madam, what have you done? And I said, I was parked here. Uh, you know, I've not done anything. But would you mind getting an ambulance? Because I might go blind. 
<laughs> but it, I mean, he didn't understand why I was saying that. But it, um, and I didn't realize at that point I hadn't, you know, my arm had been knocked off. But yeah. it, 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 the difference between between those two messages were are worlds apart. Yeah. Worlds yeah, I mean, yeah. fortunately, I didn't really take much notice of the latter one, but yeah. yeah, but some people do, and that really affects them emotionally, doesn't it? And that's yeah. that's you know the power of havening and other yeah. techniques to help re-establish that sense of purpose yeah. and take away the emotional charge that someone has said. What someone has said to you can really trigger trigger trauma, even Absolutely. if you think it's small at the time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And so after that, so you went through a period of recovery. Yeah. Um, you, you focused on getting back to work, you know, so your spiritual purpose was still being fulfilled or you're, you're working towards that. And and then life took a big turn for you again, didn't it? Yes. I mean, I had a minor deviation when I had salivary gland surgery and lost, you know, I had facial paralysis for about three months, but that Wow. sorted itself out and it, and then in March 2011 I had really strange symptoms just I don't know what you say if, if it's the right word just slavering we call it up north yeah just yeah. having saliva and it, it, I can't understand why I was having it so I went to a, a, a routine check with my GP and Mike my husband came with me and and he said tell you know tell her about this and I'm like oh, it's fine it's fine but she listened yeah and she said I want it's odd I, I want you to have a brain scan so I, I went to one of the prestigious London hospitals um, North London hospitals and I had a brain scan and was given an appointment afterwards for six months return so I thought what, what type of brain scan did you have at the time MRI. was it MRI had a, a an MRI with contrast, yeah. Okay. Um, and I was just sent a, an outpatient's appointment for six months, so I thought, oh, that's okay. You know, I, I wondered whether they wondered whether I'd had a TIA, so that I think a you know a transient ischemic attack. So they mm -hmm. sent me into a TIA clinic for six months later. And just describe to people, the listeners that don't know what a transient ischemic attack is. Oh, that's, that's when you have a, a mini, tiny, tiny stroke effect. Okay that limits maybe partially for a short period of time and mm -hmm. is transient, is recovered from. Mm -hmm. um, so I I didn't think anything else about it. And I, in June, so a few months later, I got an appointment and the, surgery, the surgeon asked me to go back the next week of the hospital. And I, I couldn't, I'd arranged to go on holiday. Mm -hmm. So I, and and um, said I'm sorry I'm I'm away and then I got a phone call back from the one of the registrars saying you do know you've got a brain tumor don't you and I'm like no I don't and that's that's exactly what she said uh, and I think wow. it shocked yeah uh, it shot me I was sat at the table with my daughter and my son uh, my daughter and my husband um, so I I went back and had another outpatient's appointment and the the uh, the treatment wasn't it, it was dis, it was rather dismissive so i then relocated to the national hospital in queen square and by the time i'd gone and gone through the system there which is excellent i'd got a a big uh, meningioma which crossed mm -hmm. both sides of my head here. So I, I went in and had surgery in August 2011. Mm. Wow. And 
very positively lost a bit of weight beforehand you know did some exercises doing well and and then when i woke up from anesthetic i had lost the use of my left leg and if anybody would like to know what a dead leg feels like it is huge and heavy yeah. um and the consultant came and said oh, i'm sorry i'm sorry your leg's not working and uh, she didn't say at the moment but she just said i'm sorry your leg's not working and i i just said it'll come back it'll come back and that was whilst i was still in the recovery mm. um the next day i i'm left-handed as you know uh, i mm. was trying to eat soup and mm. i couldn't make it so i'd lost you know power i'd lost the use mm -hmm. of my left arm so I, I was transferred to a you know it's one of the recovery units and spent a couple of uh, a, you know a couple of months uh, yeah about six weeks i think i was there wow um fantastic care fantastic care and but the the whole time i i i was like these are, i have goals this is what i need to do <laughs> you know, <I> <laughs> Yeah, um, That's I, spiritual sense of purpose. Yeah, and I, I, I'd taken into hospital with me Paul McKenna's, uh, I think a Walkman with Paul McKenna's. I can make you sleep on it. So basically, I plugged Paul McKenna in, listened to his amazing voice, slept a lot in between having not great hospital food, um, but also. Um, so you know recognize that you know i needed to restore recover and and then cope with the you know the pain that i had post-op yeah. which actually uh you know i had morphine for a for a while wow. but I, I i i can't remember how long now because it is a long time ago but i i really over over a short period of time you know recovered sufficiently to sit out of bed and oh, and then i i was discharged home uh i think it was october but i i'd, I'd got i'd set myself some goals and the first one this is this might sound a bit rude was to be able to pull my knickers up you know, no i think that's a great goal you know <laughs> out to the toilet by myself and pull my <laughs> my pants up and you know the 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 next was to be able to make a cup of tea yeah i mean and these are all really dexterous functional things yeah. that we you know that require use use of both both limbs isn't it yeah. so yeah. And, and to be able to get home and, and right it was 22 stairs up to the apartment that we lived in so i knew that i had to really function to to be able to be home and then we have a place in italy so i'd set a goal for the spring so that i could visualize myself which i did um the yeah. pathway from the car park to, to our place which is really overlooking the mountains which is amazing so uh, doing that visualization of of that pathway thinking about the pizza parlor the, the the little restaurants yeah. on and 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 getting up to the you know to our place was a, a really strong incentive in in terms of of, of recovery yeah uh, I, I love sorry i was gonna say i love that because i think you know we 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 can often easily devalue the the importance of setting ourselves goals 
that we that will help us in on our journey to recovery and sometimes that that journey can be feel so big that it's hard to sort of break it down into bite-sized chunks but I love the fact that you were able to do that in terms of yes they were stretch goals yeah um, but but something that you could tangibly work towards and then once you've achieved that you work towards the next one and I also love the fact that you mentioned visualization because it's such an important tool in terms of helping our helping our educate our brain to tell it that it can get there by by getting there in our mind uh, and our brain can't differentiate easily reality versus fantasy so by doing that fantasy work and 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 that visual work and we know athletes a lot of you know athletes do this as well it's such an important tool Mm -hmm. is that visualization of you getting to to your to your um, apartment in Italy uh, and doing the steps is so is so important and it's it's not an easy climb (laughs) actually it's easier once you've been there a couple of days you 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 acclimatized it but I was there I was there in my mind and 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 actually yeah it, it was the thought of not being able to get there it was like I can't not go there this is it I you yeah know, this, I have to do that because this is such a special it's necessary for you it is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um and, so, um go on carry on no no I'm just trying to think I I, I guess this was this was pre havening of course because it yeah only happened a, a short while a, a year or so afterwards but the the other thing that I I did was I one of my dear friends who passed recently with a really a malignant brain tumor um, invited me to the Lake District that oh, December and love the Lake District. I, I did my first walk outside in between Christmas and New Year. Um, at, on the on the side of Lake Windermere, and oh, that, lovely. she she'd been inviting me for years, and she, and she'd said post she came to see me in hospital a lot, and and she was saying we want you to come for you know come at Christmas to the lakes, and and again that you know that sense of purpose of doing that, not letting people down, doing yeah. it, and but also being in nature and and enjoying that sense of freedom and the escape of being in nature as opposed to being in London. I I find it so healing and I love the Lake District and I can really relate to Windermere because when I took my parents to Windermere, they'd never been um, back in 2008, I think it was. Um, and we took them up Tog Crag, which is which is the Loughrigg Fell, which is at the at the north end of of Lake Windermere, overlooking the lake. And it maybe you walked up that hill, I don't know, but um, it was an easy, a manageable hill for people with limited mobility. And that was actually the first hill we took Lily yeah. up as well as yeah. a little top. Yeah. So I I really relate to 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 that place. If no one's been Lake Lake District, is absolutely beautiful and connecting with nature so important but I'd love to know when you were going through um that recovery piece you mentioned that Paul McKenna's uh uh video um tapes that you listened to on on restorative sleep what what was the real key what what do you think was that real shift for you in terms of of that recovery journey that you went on I, I think allowing allowing myself to have time to restore so you know the sleep was a really a good Mm. good bit of it um and 
feeling, well, as soon as I could sit out of bed, the physios bought me a static like a bike that didn't go anywhere. You know, you just had pedals. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I strapped myself on it and with my good leg, you know, trained the, the one that wasn't working at that time. Um, wow. So it, 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 I, I did that. Not overdid it because it would have been fruitless, but I actually did it fairly religiously, you know, because mm-hmm. I think just got to, I've got to retrain. I've just got to retrain my the bits that aren't working so well and, mm-hmm. and, and get them going. So, yeah. um, and I mean, the other, of course, is the, the love and support of family. And I, I can yeah. still see I had a, an unexpected visit from my son and, and grandsons who were very little and I can now I can just say I was in my bed and they walked in the ward and it you know it's like another sense of purpose you know yeah oh that's lovely and and you know I think that giving ourselves permission to allow our bodies to do the healing process in its own time yes having that sense of passion and purpose to to help it but sometimes I think we feel that uh, we can go, just go back to normal very quickly and we don't give our bodies enough time to to do the healing that it needs to do and sleep is such a a powerful restorative function and you know there's been so many studies on the importance of sleep I'd say it's the most important thing that we need to do in terms of uh, optimizing our brain health and it's actually one of the 11 risk factors associated with cognitive declines so if we don't take that time to do the sleep that we really need to do uh we we actually uh you know don't do ourselves any favors our brain washes itself at night time it clears out all the rubbish or the trash if you're listening in the states um and and make sure that we are rebooted you know refreshed and rebooted ready for the next day and we know from studies that we're sleeping so much less nowadays than we we used to back in the, the early 1900s up to 40% less than we used to and that can have a huge impact so sleep i know for me every time i get sick that's the first thing that i i dial in on is giving myself permission yeah. to just to just yeah. recover and rest and yeah. you mentioned brain health uh, and and 10 is it 10 or 11 so factors? there's 11 risk factors and sleep is one of them yeah yeah, yeah so that <clears throat> i don't think we're going to have time here but blood flow is, a, is another one that's the number yeah. one predictor of alzheimer's disease from a brain imaging perspective so if you have reduced blood flow into your brain for whatever reason and if you know from a uh, the situation that we're in now, which is COVID, it's believed that often some of the brain health issues that we're experiencing as a, is a result of reduced blood flow and, and reduced oxygenated blood to the brain. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important that we we take the time to focus on optimising our blood flow. And obviously you doing that exercise yeah. on the bike would have yeah. really helped get, get that yeah. blood flow and, uh, and all the neurotransmitters that are essential for yeah. you, for your brain function back into your brain yeah. um, and uh, and avoid the things that hurt it. So caffeine restricts blood flow to the brain as well as, as alcohol. Um, and it's just really vital that we, we take the steps that that help our brain and avoid avoid the steps that really really hurt it 
so i guess one of the the other things that i need to say is that i still have a have a little visitor here in, yeah. in i i have another meningioma tiny one in the faults at the back of my brain which is in the cleft in the middle at the back so it's uh -huh. quite a difficult to access area um and the i've been under review now for 10 years um, yeah. three three years ago i went to my outpatients appointment see my wonderful consultant at queen square the national hospital queen square and she'd already um before the before the outpatients appointment had been discussing with the team about having a cyber knife like gamma knife surgery to uh -huh. this little visit here um but when i turned up and i could you know i was standing on one leg i was demonstrating how fantastic i could balance uh in the outpatients and she said actually there's nothing wrong with you really is there so she she just said we don't need to do anything we just keep an eye on it you are so amazingly well just keep yeah. doing whatever it is you're doing yeah. um, and i had my last discussion with her last week i had another mri um with you know uh, an mri with what's called um media where you can functional mri yeah functional mri yeah um last week and she she just said there's no really no change in the last three years so That's amazing um whatever you're doing just keep doing it and i think one of the the things that i have been purposely doing is when i've been doing hands-on with clients with the yeah. evening is, yeah. is actually i i I'm giving myself a message. So I am saying, I, I'm saying to myself as I'm doing it, I'm healing, but I'm also putting hands on, and you know, there's a lot of biblical stuff about hands on, isn't there? Uh, but putting hands on and, and passing healing messages. And I'm sure there is some exchange of energy, especially during the face to face hands on, that has enabled me to heal myself as much as mm. or maintain my state as much as supporting the healing of other people who are also able to you know do do a lot for themselves too yeah and i think that's a really powerful message as well because <clears throat> you know i don't think we should ever underestimate the power of human touch and the power of the mind in terms of what we can physically do for ourselves to heal ourselves um and um, I can't remember if I mentioned it earlier that we talked about Dr. Gabor Mate in his book, oh, yeah. When the Body Says No, yeah. it is that we we actually all possess a, the power within ourselves, which we can really access beautifully with Havening um, to give ourselves um, that permission to heal and, and to allow ourselves, like what you said, is is allowing ourselves to reduce the trauma any unhelpful responses that we have in our mind that is not serving us is to calm our mind down and we've seen some phenomenal um you know results from a brain imaging perspective on the application of havening it yeah. is to be able to calm our, our mind down and then that give, gives our body permission to heal because it's not in fight or flight with our with how our brain's working yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's actually working in harmony 
with with our brain function or our brains working in harmony with our body and our immune system is able to to do what it needs to do and 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 use you know fight the battle that needs to be fought without us fighting ourselves yeah i mean i i also do self-havening for myself as well yeah so, so the, the the morning and evening giving myself good good healing messages or hopeful whatever you know. yeah yeah sometimes, no. sometimes dealing it, with stuff that comes up in the day that is you know maybe a bit overwhelming so yeah yeah and and it's powerful stuff and you know this isn't hocus pocus some people may be thinking oh my goodness well they're talking hocus pocus but it really isn't because you've been involved in a study with Kirsty hodgson uh, and co-workers where you've you've demonstrated with a with a very well controlled study the power of of havening with with a control group looking at a control group yeah. and i know that we've seen that that the uh, those that were in the control group with type d personality still had it after the after the the, the activity and those who received havening no longer had the attributes of yeah. of the type d personality and that was just within one hour of of receiving havening so it just it yeah. just goes to them and demonstrate how powerful it is and and it's you know for those listening might you might not be into that it's not the only approach that you can use the, the key thing is to activate your parasympathetic nervous system um so that you're not in the fight or flight response state um and that you're allowing your body to get into a healing state uh, and that allows you to then use the power of your mind uh to, to heal yourself and i just want to give an example of the power of our mind so um, I was listening to Dr. Dr. Daniel Amen talking about he watched a video of a woman in India, I believe, who was able to, through the power of her thought, was able to control blood flow in her hand. So they they made, uh, I think they did a um, a, a syringe or, or she had a she had a, a puncher in her hand for whatever reason, and she was able to regulate the blood flow. And um, I thought, well, I'll give this a go myself. And um, when I went in to have Lily, and it was a pretty traumatic experience, um, normally I go into complete uh, a freeze state um, when it comes to injections. And I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to focus my attention on my blood and I'm going to tell my blood where I want it to go, uh, which was to the site they were going to put the needle in. And I focused all of my attention on that. And the lady that the nurse that did did the injection to put the cannula in not cannula whatever it's called yes cannula Cannula, yeah yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> i got the word wrong the other time and called it catheter that's all right uh so the, so the cannula in uh my blood shot across the room as if it was an ar ar artery and she wow. said she'd never seen anything like it and that that just goes to show you know the power of the human mind if if we put our mind to things and you've very much demonstrated this in your focus on your spiritual well-being and, and your sense of passion and purpose and saying i can do this mm. um it is how we can really accomplish things that perhaps um you know traditional medicine or traditional techniques might think aren't possible mm, absolutely yeah uh, yeah and we you know in, in working with the people that we work with we've got you know huge amounts of of well, it's anecdotal, it's case study evidence, but yeah. huge amounts of evidence in practice about how effective 
we can be in in changing brain state yeah um, yeah absolutely and and how are you uh, how are you um managing it now going forward with your meningioma that's that that you still have is it are you focusing on havening are there any other techniques that you're doing to to really help you well what, i mean what i've been doing seems to be working so and that's that, it's mainly it's mainly havening and and yeah sometimes i might do a bit of visualization but it's it's mainly havening and giving myself healing healing messages i i do reiki or you before havening i, I did reiki before havening so yeah. some, some element of 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 you know energy healing but yeah do you do you tap into the hypnotherapy at all with with paul mckenna's work um, i i i could do but i i haven't i'm not it's amazingly effective <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no not 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 in this you know not in this context absolutely. yeah no that's fine I, and i just you know we all know the power of havening is is it the, the thing that i love about it is that you don't have to be with somebody to do it so so often with emdr you have to physically be with a specialist in order yeah. to get the benefit but actually with with havening this is something that you can do as a day-to-day -day practice to to really help you uh, reduce your day-to-day -day stress and anxiety and get into that into that healing state and even use it for you know if, when you're driving if you if you feel that somebody's really annoyed you and irritated you and you need to calm yourself down before you get home or before you do something stupid whilst you're driving it havening is incredibly powerful and quick to to yeah. to calm yourself down by just uh, obviously driving safely you don't want to have any accidents uh is to um it's just to to have haven or stroke one arm uh down mm -hmm. to your down to your wrist and that uh that will help calm calm mm -hmm. you down if you focus on saying some positive words like safe peaceful and calm <laughs> there are other words that you sometimes use when you try yeah, there might be but uh, <laughs> you might yeah. have to release those words yeah i i if you'd have if anybody would have said to me two years ago that that we would be able to get a significant a result using telehealth for healing uh, in in the way that we know we can do i i just would have discounted it but i think yeah. one of the uh, one of the side effects of covid-19 is the fact that we we've had to adapt and learn to do things differently and yeah. it's quite astonishing to me that that being in a virtual environment, mean, we've never met, but we feel. I feel no, we haven't. <laughs> well, I mean, that is going to happen at some point. At some um, point, yeah. Uh, but the 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 fact that you can do as a practitioner, as a healer, you can direct somebody to do the, their own healing yeah. from across the world, across the yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I have clients in America who 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 I work with yeah. from a havening standpoint. So, and you get. Made fantastic results that you, you couldn't have well, I couldn't have imagined. But mm. I think there is an element with the being in the same room and, and physically doing the hands on yeah. that is an added bonus, but it doesn't take away from the the curative aspects that we you know that we witness all the time. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And I know we've talked about a huge amount in terms of brain health here from 
obviously the the problems that you have with your vision and your eyes part of actually part of your brain is the only part of the brain that we we actually see um uh, from as a result of your of your birth birthing experience or your pr prematurity as a as a as a baby all the way through to uh major trauma from your car crash and your meningioma for anybody that's struggling with their brain health and and please pick one that you feel you want to share the message with what what as this show is all about brain health and unchaining your pain what what one piece of advice would you give to anybody who is struggling uh with with getting themselves back to back to normal or, or, or re-establishing that sense of purpose that you, you so beautifully talked about at the beginning? I guess um, one of the things that I, I recall from when, uh, after I retired, I, I did a consultancy with child protection and I, I was sitting there going, this job is doing my head in. <laughs> this job is doing my head in. Uh, and, and that was just before my diagnosis so I, I would say be careful of what you say to yourself as much as 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 uh, you know as, as much as you hear from other people so the so the messages to self are changing you know moving wow. forward actually actually having a different outcome from maybe that that you feel at the moment hmm. I mean that's that's one but the the about self-care hmm. about self yeah. Do you know, I'm really pleased you mentioned that because I don't think we truly appreciate the impact that the thoughts that we tell ourselves have on our brain health and, you know, that mental clarity and, and dealing with the ants, dealing with the self-talk. Uh, if we all paid a bit more attention to the self-talk that we were doing uh, and reframe it in a way that's so positive towards ourselves uh, and not listening to all the lies and all the negativity that we may be saying to ourselves i think we as a nation would be a much healthier nation when when we pay much more attention to to the things we say to ourselves so really just thank you for for sharing that because it's such an important part of our brain health those those thoughts and those words that we say i think that there's another uh, that i recommend um clients as well is before going to bed just note down three positive things that have happened in the day so that mm. you're going to to sleep on on something that is not doing all the churning brain stuff um, I mean, even if it's a simple, I mean, sometimes I think I just had a lovely cup of tea before we started. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> cup of tea hits the spots. <laughs> so, so it could be, oh, that was a really nice cup of tea that I had. But I mean, it can be anything. Um, you know, yeah. sometimes I've had surprise phone calls where I think, oh my goodness, or or feedback, you know, feedback from a client that is unexpected. I mean, like like the, you know, the girl that opened her eyes and said, hello, mom, when she'd not been yeah. for two years. Yeah. Um, and those are gifts, you know, those are real gifts that change your neurochem, change in your biology, change your chemistry, and, and just recognise that life can be enhancing. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I mean, we will often say is, you know, finish your day on, on the words, today was a great day because, 
and then go looking for the reasons that made your day great and you can be super surprised with what you come up with and it completely reframes your mind like you say yeah. uh, before you go to sleep and puts it in a back back into that parasympathetic state where we're calm uh, and we're hopeful and we're positive uh, and that is just so important so important oh my goodness louise i think we could talk for hours <laughs> yeah how, what time is it oh my goodness we have been talking <laughs> <laughs> so as well as, how, how can people get hold of you what's the best way i know we've got a banner in front yeah, i mean my email louise carmy at gmail.com there's not many carmies in england uh, at all <laughs> i think i've probably given birth to i've given birth to most of them <laughs> Listen, aren't me? So, Louise Carmi at gmail.com. Wonderful, wonderful. Louise, it has been such an absolute pleasure and honour to have you on the show as a friend, a wonderful colleague, and just such a beautiful person in so many ways. Keep on um, sharing your lovely healing energy uh, and wisdom um, because it's so important in this world today. Thank you, Ruth. That is a, I mean, it's been a total pleasure, absolute total pleasure. We will meet. I, I am going to reignite the London Pratt groups when COVID allows. So Yay. that will be a chance. We, we've had some fabulous meetings. So we have, we have, and I really look forward to it. You take care, and I look forward to connecting with you soon. And anything I can do to help you, just shout. Thank you. This broadcast is brought to you by Winject Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.